Thanks for joining us tonight, everybody. We have a wonderful guest in store for you, Kirk Cameron, the amazing actor, but more importantly, my friend and a wonderful brother in Christ. And we're going to be talking about immigration, which is critical because the current Biden administration is making a mess of the southern border. And also, we're going to talk about adoption, which, interestingly enough, not only do we have Christ in common, but Kirk and I both, though, both have the fact that we have adopted children in common. So you're in store for a wonderful program. Stay tuned. Put your seatbelt on. It's time to take off. Kairos, this is your moment. Liberty is not man's idea, it's God's idea. We must participate in the public square. This is a moment in time that will define history as we know it. The furtherance of America as we know it. That's a powerful gift, freedom. And we're not going to bow to tyranny. This isn't me standing, it's us. This is the moment for the body of Christ. We pray that there would be an awakening and a revival in the nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there you go. Thanks for joining us. And in just a moment, uh, I'm going to introduce you to Kirk Cameron, who's been a regular guest on our program but before we do that, I wanted to say thank you to all the folks who take time to send in letters and cards and encouraging. And uh, there, there's folks from all over the country. We have Newberry Park saying, our hearts and prayers are covering you. This is from Rochester, Indiana. Uh, it's from uh, Kimber, it looks like Enyart. And just such a lovely card. Your handwriting is remarkable. But more importantly, your words are so kind. I want to say thank you to uh, Mr. Fred Marshall in Chicago, Illinois, and all of the encouragement. You're doing great. Thank you. Just little cards of encouragement. Uh, this one comes from Port Wainimi. Uh, thank you for your perseverance and excellent teachings. I don't know what program you've been watching, but hey, you're welcome. Uh, and this is from Camarillo and just down the grade and so kind and, and folks sending in uh, contributions. Uh, just so grateful for that. Um, oh, this one is uh, Orange County, California. They said they w wish they lived closer, so they come to the church, but they watch every day on the live stream. And then Woodland Hills, California, um, Mr. Charles Wong, what a, and Linda, God bless you guys. What a sweet card. And thank you. I just thank you so much. Now, uh, you have been faithful to uh, write and encourage, and now it's time to encourage you. Uh, with me tonight is my friend, my brother, uh, fellow adoptive parent, Kirk Cameron. Welcome, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on the show again. Uh, I'm stoked. Uh, yeah, and, great and to be with you. We usually, you know, we, we, we enjoy kind of tag teaming together and going through stuff. Yeah. As I was looking at the topic tonight with immigration, and then also I want to cover adoption, because a little bit, in, in a sense, abortion, and it's just really an attack on children. Uh, and, and this administration is troubling to me. I'm, I'm burdened. I'm watching what's happening at the southern border. Mm. We're watching as the press secretary, Jen Psaki, is, it, it, it's hypocritical what we're seeing. And I'm going to show you some clips and maybe some commentaries. We can go back and forth. Right. But I wanted, I wanted to set the stage for everybody, because you and I were talking earlier we both live in communities that have homeowners associations, mm -hmm. HOAs. Mm -hmm. And HOAs are nice. I don't like the fees, but they're nice because they have standard procedures everyone operates by. And both you and I have places where our kids can get wet. You have a pool. I got a little jacuzzi. Um, and, and the HOAs require that you have to have a lock on your gate. 
That's right. Yeah. Safety. Safety. Well, and it's also, you can be held liable. Right. Because if your neighbors have a little kid and you leave the gate open and it's a hot summer day and they come through your gate and the cover's off your pool and they yeah. wander in, they see the cool pool and they don't know how to swim, but they get in and they drown, we're liable. Yeah. Because they've been enticed. So, why is it that the United States of America can entice all of these folks from Central America, South America, mm. even Asia, coming mm. through the southern border, where 80% of them, now this is the Huffington Post and also uh, Amnesty International, 80% of the women that, that try to process through our southern border, 80% of them in their journey are raped or molested. Oh. 80%. That's up from 65%. Huffington Post isn't a conservative news organization, and Amnesty International, I mean, this is legitimate, and the sex trafficking and all that occurs on our southern border. But then we've also got the COVID issue, and so I wanted wanted to take a look, because in 2020, there were 458,000 apprehensions at our southern border uh, under the Trump administration, and so far in 2021, what we're here in March, there's been 296,000. That's more than half. Yeah, more than half. Already. Yeah, in less than, what, three months? January, February, March, yeah. It's, it's wide open, well over 50% of last year's numbers. Uh, take a look. This is, there's three to, I think, three to 4,000 people per day are coming through our southern border. You know how Carl Rove during the election had that little whiteboard and he would write and he said, well, and then they moved. Yeah, his, yeah, yeah. He did the same thing with, with the issue in the southern border. Here's a clip of him and we'll comment after. Take a look at Carl Rove. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's absolutely there is a surge. In fiscal year 2020, there were 458,000 apprehensions on the southwest border. In the first four months of fiscal year 2021, 296,000. Now, began in July, uh, there were 40,000 apprehensions in July compared to 33,000 the previous year. Accelerated in August and September. But take a look at this. 45,000 apprehensions in FY20. 72 this last October, 43 in October of, of, of 2019, the FY20, 72,000 last, last uh, November. Same pattern for December, same pattern in January. I would not be surprised if in February, the numbers will come out this week for the February apprehensions, if that number doesn't arise to well over 80,000. Uh, that's a ton. That's a lot of people coming over the border. Yeah, and they're enticed. Because they're all wearing the shirts, you know, Biden is going to let me live here. I forget what the shirts say, but it's a concerted effort to get everyone north uh, and, and, and come through. They've, they've got to increase their voter rolls. They want to get them all registered. But it's coming at a great trauma, not only yeah. the people that are attempting to migrate. And they don't fulfill the U.S. Code of Asylum, by the way. They're, they're not asylum seekers. In the U.S. Code, they don't fulfill that. Mm. Uh, are you familiar with the term asylum? With, yeah, I, I'm familiar with the term. I think uh, sometimes people think of it as an insane asylum, you know, like a place, a well, place what, like that. Yeah. But for asylum, these what are people gets you who are into coming an asylum, I guess, yeah. because of persecution, because they're not safe. They're running away for a life where they can actually like live and, and not be hunted by, by other people because of their race or their religion or something like that, right? Exactly. So it, it's based on race, religion, nationality, political opinion, and I think it's also... A, po- a particular social group. But are you ready for this? Of all of the folks crossing the southern border, yeah. 1% qualify under the asylum rules in the United Only States. Only 1%? Only 1%. Wow. So everybody else is getting across, 
And what's the what are most of them saying that it's for asylum, and then they're just not qualifying, but they're coming through anyway? It, this administration is just not enforcing the asylum rule. See what what. The way I try to think about these type of things, I don't know how it is for you. Uh, you, you might be able to have no problem thinking on the, on the big national level, but sometimes I try to shrink it down to my house, like you did with the pool. Yeah. And I say, hey, I, I'm, I'm really all about community, and I re- re- realize that I've got neighbors who have all sorts of gifts and talents. I'd love for them to come to my house and teach my kids, come in, play the piano, uh, talk to us about stuff that we're not so familiar with. But... If I let so many people into my house that they begin to sort of like, my, the quality of my home begins to be unsafe for my family or for them, and all of a sudden I'm not providing a safe place for my own family, let alone the people who are coming in because I've lost control, all of a sudden all the food's gone out of my refrigerator, uh, the place is now becoming something that no one's going to want to come to anymore because it's going to be a lot like the place that they just came from. Yeah. Okay. So I think well, so we have to manage this in the right way, right? That is that is that's a great insight. I want to I want to add on to that. Yeah. So currently, as we speak, because they were expecting QAnon, and uh, apparently they were expecting an insurrection on the Capitol, never transpired. We were all, you know, I I don't I didn't know anyone who was preparing to participate in it, but apparently it was a big. And then they came to realize none of the FBI stuff is legit. It was a big joke, but they have created a border around the Capitol, Washington D.C. With thousands of National yeah. Guard troops. Yeah, yeah, you see, yeah. The, you see the pictures all the time. And and what are they protecting? Well, they're protecting themselves. They're protecting the Capitol, and they do it by a wall. And each of these legislators go home Wait, to isn't their houses the irony with walls. Obvious here. Very obvious. <laughs> yeah. But what you just pointed out is, you said, "Look, I want people to come into my home, and we we feed people all the time. I mean, we're generous. I love having people over to our house. But the reality is." When our doors are closed in our home, our home, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Yeah. We have rules and, and, and the way we operate and, and things we believe and, and we cherish and we instruct and we educate. And, you know, that's our sovereign ground as a family. Yeah. And we have that as a community. Yeah. We have, uh, you know, folks, folks don't want high rises in Thousand Oaks. They want their open space protected. They take that before the city council. They have zoning ordinances and they decide together as a community what they want. Yeah. But as you start to lose the autonomy locally and they start to take it away from your home and they take it away from your city and your county, the state starts to infringe their power and the federal government starts to infringe upon that. America is not a boundary. It's an idea. And, and what it is is you come in, but you agree to assimilate. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men right. are created equal, endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights, among those being life, liberty, the, yeah. you know, pursuit of happiness. Right. And governments are instituted among men for the preservation of that. You have the Bill of Rights. You've got the 27 Amendments. You have the U.S. Constitution, seven articles. And you go through a citizenship test. You have to agree to the standards of the United States of America, which is an idea that has provided more liberty than any other nation in its entire history. We're the oldest nation. Or hmm. let, me, let me correct that. Yeah. We have been under one article of incorporation longer than any other nation in yeah. the history of the world. Right. Because of the idea of America. Right. America is not a skin color. It's not even a previous yeah. nationality. It's right. not a socioeconomic status. It's a set of ideas that we all ascribe to. Boundaries, borders, compacts. And the Constitution, it's where you get the statute. It's a Roman cognate Constitution statute. It's an immovable structure that defines something of importance. Mm. And this is what makes America what we are. Yeah. So and it's worked. It's worked. It's been a beautiful idea for so long. Uh, we haven't always lived up to our ideals, and we suffer when we stray from it. But, but as we continue to, to learn from, from our mistakes, we can, 
move closer and closer to that ideal for everybody. Exactly. Now, they're fleeing, they're, they're fleeing tyranny and despotic rule in South America, Central America, other portions yeah. of the globe. They're coming up through our southern border. Do they bring that with them or do we instruct them before they enter on, you're fleeing that, let me tell you how this nation works if you're going to come in. That's how it should be. That's how it you, should know, be. you know, my, my, if you don't mind me uh, sharing this, I was talking to my dad about this not too long ago and he was saying, it's like Disneyland. Anybody can come to Disneyland. Disneyland says, hey, come on in. It doesn't matter your race, your religion, your color, your gender, your age, <coughs> come on in. But once you're inside of Disneyland... You, can't, you don't get to just change all the rules about how you ride the rides or change the Matterhorn into something totally well, different. Unless you call it Chaz. Unless you call it Chaz, right? <laughs> because then it ceases to be Disneyland. Then everybody has to play by the rules. And if you don't, you leave. You're kicked right? out. You're kicked out. And, and that's what makes Disneyland the happiest place on earth. And we can all go there and enjoy it. Um, and so similarly, in our, in our country, shouldn't there be a set of ideals and law? Yeah, there is. It's called the Constitution. Yeah. You don't get to change that and twist and manipulate it or it ceases to be the country that we've known and loved for so long. And if you break the rules, is it wrong for someone to be kicked out? Yeah. You, you, you raise really good points. People think that, that the, the form of government that we have in the United States of America, Constitutional Republic, came from Greece. Now, it's true. Greece uh, established through Aristotle, and you go down the line, and Alexander the Great, and you, you, know, you go through Plato and Socrates, who were both killed. They, they, they brought us a democracy. And scholars have tried to say that America modeled itself after the, the, the Greek world. Now, we did see democracy, but democracy was also the demise. And it also led to mob rule. And that's how Socrates was killed. And... And Aristotle trained um, uh, Alexander the Great, and he saw, you know, a, a theocracy or, or um, a, a monarchy. And of course, Alexander the Great conquered swaths of the world. But a representative form of government in a republic, which Rome was under, this was a whole different ball game for our founders because they established the law, constitution, constitutes statutes, immovable structure, along with a republic which is why we have the Electoral College. It's not a democracy. It's not 51-49% mob rule. It's everyone in your locality in a representative form of government sending, and then they get to vote and all contend. And you may be a representative from a smaller populated area, but everyone gets the yeah. opportunity. So minorities are protected in a constitutional republic with the Electoral College. Mob rule, or I should say democracy, which our founders rejected yep. wholeheartedly, but if you take away the rule of law, meaning immutable, transcendent, given by God, that's why the Declaration says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal endowed by their Creator. So we, we don't care if you're a Christian, we don't care if you're Mormon, we don't care if you're Catholic, we don't care if you're Protestant, agnostic, as long as you recognize these are inalienable and they have been given transcendently by a Creator. You do whatever you got to do with it, but they're called the laws of nature. Nature's God revealed knowledge that, you know, the law of gravity, it doesn't, you don't have to be a Catholic or a Protestant to understand the law of gravity or not. You, you get it. You run off a cliff. You get the law of gravity. Yeah. So as we pursue the laws of nature, nature's God, as our founders described, then we're held to that under a constitutional republic, seven articles that those who govern by our consent swear to abide by, take an oath of office. And the sovereign is we the people 
unlike any other government in the history of the world. It's a bottom-up. Mm. But here's the kicker. If the law is no longer from God, and it's not transcendent or mutable, if, if, you, if, if you take that away, then the rule of law simply becomes the rule of the ruler. That's and, right. And you get back to despotism. Yeah. So this constitution's critical. The education of, of the society that subscribes to that and holds to that and whose legislators swear to defend, all folks coming in must assimilate to that and be educated on that, the citizenship test. Yep. And people use scripture, and especially pastors, talking about the alien. Well, they want to really do a deep study on immigration in the Old Testament. There's three words, and those three words deal with you're a visiting alien and you don't agree to the rules, but you're going to abide by them and you're just passing through. Yeah, you're not planning to stay. You're, you're an alien in that you want to assimilate. So you're, you're abiding by that, you're long-term and you're playing by those rules. Now, you want to become yeah. um, what they would say a convert and say, I'm in and I wanna be part of this nation. But in every single case, every word used in the Hebrew when it comes to anyone traveling in, through, or being a part of the nation of Israel, it was always dealing with assimilation. That you have to live by those rules when yeah. you're visiting or agree to them if you become a citizen. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, uh, um, you would assume that the reason you're traveling into that place is because you like what they have. Yeah. And so what are the, what's the roots that produce this sweet fruit that we're all coming for? Yeah. And so let's nourish the roots. Let's not, let's not cut off the roots and try to just rape the tree of all of the fruit. What's going to happen? Because the next generation is going to have nothing left. Exactly. So this is why there's such a contrast between the previous administration and this administration. And due to the catch and release program under the Biden administration, we're going to see this... Uh, Carl Rove does a good job. He's not my favorite, but he does a good job of describing this because currently they're housing them in, in bus stops and they're separating children from parents. And they dumped on President Trump in the, in the debates. Oh, yeah. President Biden did. And he's, he's doing the exact same thing, if not worse. Uh, take a look at Carl Rove. He's talking about it. Here's a clip. Now they're being released into the United States. And uh, you may have read three days ago, the bus station in Brownsville, Texas, the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, drops them off at the Greyhound bus station in Brownsville. The city of Brownsville has to pick up the tab for, tra for, for testing them for COVID. Six percent of them are COVID and they get on the buses. Six percent test positive for COVID. They get them on the buses and send them into the United States. And they put the price of that testing and that housing, they, they, they usurp the autonomy of Brownsville, Texas, this little city. They impose these illegal immigrants onto this city, infuse them, 6% of that population of illegal immigrants are infected with COVID, while all the Brownsville, Texas folks have to be wearing masks and abiding by the federal mandates and everything that the... And, and he's, he's putting them in. And, and Biden put a 100-day moratorium. He, he, he said, you can't deport any of them. If they're COVID, you, we have to take care of them. They're allowed to pass, even though they have COVID. Come in. And, uh, and, and I just, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't get it. I, I don't get it either. It just, it, it doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't add up. I mean, uh, I, and I like math. <laughs> I, I, it, but it doesn't add up. It just seems like, you know, there's, there's an X factor here, and, and, and I'm wondering what it is. 
because the total, the, 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 the sum total of all of this does not seem to be about what's best for the American people and not best for the people who are trying to come in here. Yeah. Well, and he, he said he was going to do everything he could to protect us from COVID. He, said, he, he made that promise, just like he made the promise that he, 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 uh, he wouldn't pull the Hyde Amendment uh, to all those pro-life you know, Biden voters, all these promises he's breaking. And I tell you, I think one of the hardest jobs in America right now is being Jen Psaki, his press secretary, because the hypocrisy, I mean, regarding detention centers, she's, she's got to do backflips to describe, oh, they're not cages. They're, uh, they're holding facilities for children. It's the exact same thing. It, it, take a look at her having to just do a two-step with yeah. two questions from reporters. Uh, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Take a look at this clip. Hi, Jen. Um, this week, a migrant facility that operated under the Trump administration for only a month in September 2019 is being reactivated to hold up to 700 children ages 13 to 17 throughout the campaign. Uh, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris repeatedly spoke out against kids in cages. I, I feel like this is the same thing and that you're still detaining kids at the border and it's not meaningfully different than what President Trump was doing. Well, it's absolutely not the same thing, Megan. We are not ripping children from the arms of their parents. That is horrible and immoral and something we saw in the last administration. But what we're seeing is kids are fleeing prosecution. They're fleeing really difficult circumstances in their home country, and they're coming to the border. And we need to figure out how to treat them humanely and keep them safe. And in a time of COVID, that means we needed to open an additional facility so that we could have educational services, so we could have legal services, so we could have medical and health services, and have those kids there treated humanely until we can find proper homes, family placements for these kids. How is that different from what was happening before? Well, she just decided to say that what they're doing is inhumane, but what they're doing is humane. But it's the same thing. Same, same facilities, same procedures, but they're allowing more in and enticing more in. Which would make them even more crowded. Yes. Yeah, and... Uh, Health and Human Services, this is interesting. Health and Human Services pointed out 321 is the average child migrants per day under this administration. On the very last days of the Trump administration, only 47 kids per day were coming through, unaccompanied minors. Mm. So why? Well, uh, we, we know this for a fact. Massive sex trafficking. And, and President Trump in the previous administration was, was putting all forces to work to stop sex trafficking. President Biden stopped that. And most of these kids coming through, it's all about sex trafficking. It's so horrible. And, and you, you and I both know uh, very brave and courageous people who put their lives on the line to be able to uh, interrupt the, you know, those transactions from taking place yeah. and those, those women and children especially. Uh, young men as well, but the women and children coming in and they're being victims of this just horrific, uh, profitable business of trafficking human beings for just horrible things. Um, man, it's just, it's just sickening. You, you, uh, you commented on uh, the guy who filled in for us on Sunday because yeah. I was at the CNP. Victor and, Marks. Yeah, Victor Marks. You did that on your uh, 100-day revival fireside. Yeah. And uh, Victor Marks is one, he, he's in Syria, he goes into Iraq. That's right. He goes into these ISIS detention facilities that have tens of thousands of ISIS brides that are, you know, multiple, they're, they're being raped daily and all the things occurring, mm. going in to rescue them. 
I, I didn't I didn't sit through the three services. You were there. What, what I, I impacted was, you about Victor? There, there was well, first of all, what impacted he, he's he's he, he's an imposing that's uh, true man. He's a very large guy, but but also the Belgian Malinois that was right next to him was a little imposing <laughs> that's too. That's a beast. And uh, he had a patch on the harness around around his uh, his chest, and the patch on the dog said "pedophile hunter." I was like, whoa, uh, and you know, so I was trying to just, you know stay away from this dog. And, uh, but he told this story about his wife, uh, how she wanted to go with him on one of the most dangerous missions in the Middle East. And he said, no, I don't want you going because they do very bad things to women there. This is not something I want you to go to. And she said, uh, well, I talked uh, to God and, uh, and he, he, he said something to me. And he said, no, he didn't. And uh, she said, no, I, I think I need to go. And he said, honey, I, I don't want to go save someone else's wife and lose my own. She said, do you know why I want to go? She said, uh, what's the worst they can do to me? They can kill me, but then I win, right? And he's like, man, you believe this Christianity stuff, don't yeah, you? Ah. And then he said, why do you want to go? And she said, because when you and those other men rescue all of those women from that, that camp, you will not be able to hug them. But I can. Yeah. And so I want to go. And, and, and he said, my wife would rather be a widow uh, than oh. be married to a coward. I, say that again, because that's the part that hit me when he, yeah. when he said that. I watched the, 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 the replay, the videotape. My wife would rather, say it again, my wife would rather be a vi- wid- widow. My wife would rather be a widow than be married to a coward. And that, and that was out of Second Timothy where he said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. He also did That's Psalm right. 91. And here, yeah. I mean, what a profound yeah, it statement. Was, it was great. It was a great, it was a great morning. It was convicting. He said, we, are, we have a crisis in our country, and even within the church, we are in desperate need of courageous, moral men. Courageous, moral men. Yeah, he, he blessed us. And, and here, here we're watching the facilitating of the southern border to enslave human beings. And that's, that's what, what gets me sick about all of this is, of course, we want to we help people who are looking for a better life. I mean, America is all about, in the beginnings, people coming for a better life. Um, and, and, and we want to protect and keep life good for the people who are already here. Kind of like the house analogy with our pool and our front yeah. door like we talked about. Um, but, but when people take advantage of a system and then be able, they make profit off of other human beings and manipulate laws in order to gain political power, that's just wickedness and evil. Well, and you're watching Jen Psaki, her response to, I think it was Meghan McCain, or uh, her response, and, and she's no fan of Trump, but her response, McCain isn't, Jen Psaki's response is, as a mother, and it's always emotional, like, yeah. uh, we care. We have the, we we have the emotional high ground, appealing to emotion, but in reality, you're doing nothing but in endangering human beings. That eighty percent of these women are being raped on their way north, or excuse me, yeah, their way north, and California, we lead the nation in locations worldwide for sex trafficking and a number of other evil things. Yeah, yeah, it's but a, but yeah, com- coming right right through here and. and you know, you would think 80% of those traveling to come to our southern border to seek asylum, which doesn't fulfill the asylum requirements, and we're enticing them with the promise of everything and endangering our own nation with 6% being tested positive, and he promised he wouldn't let anyone be affected, and 80% of them being right. Child checks, sex trafficking, not 47 kids per day. It's now 360 unaccompanied minors per day. Thank you, President Biden, for what you're doing to endanger these children and that in all of this, you, you, would, you would say it's not a crisis. 
This isn't a crisis. It was always a crisis under the Trump administration, 47 per day. Now it's not a crisis, three, over 300 a day. Uh, take a look. This is, again, I think it's the press secretary, Pisaki, saying this is not a crisis. Okay. Take a look. I know you don't want to answer to him, but the former president just um, released a statement saying that uh, the Biden administration must act immediately to end the border nightmare that they have unleashed on Tarnation. Former President Trump? We don't take our advice or counsel from former President Trump on immigration policy, which was not only uh, inhumane, but ineffective over the last four years. We're going to chart our own path forward, and that includes treating children with humanity and respect and ensuring they're safe when they cross our borders. I guess, is the plan then to take in and safely and humanely find a home for an unlimited number of unaccompanied children? I think this issue requires us taking a step back as human beings um, and as mothers, of which I am one. I know that there are many in the room or many at home. Um, these kids are coming. They are fleeing prosecution. They are fleeing difficult circumstances in their home country. Uh, when they come here, all we're talking about here is ensuring that they are treated safely. They are not trafficked. They are not sent back uh, on a uh, unsafe journey. Uh, that's what we're talking about. When they come, when these kids come in, it doesn't mean they are ensured that they get to stay. They go through the processing system that everyone goes through. But we want to ensure that that is done uh, by treating them humanely and, and with respect. Many of them will be sent back home eventually. But we're talking about uh, how we treat them as they come in the country. So, so they risk their lives to get here. Eighty percent of the females are raped on the way here. Many of them are trafficked. And but we're going to send them back. But we're going to entice them to come through. Um, and how many do you have in your home? She didn't have any. How many does President Biden? He didn't have any. But we're going to force this on Brownsville, Texas. We're going to ship them out all over the country. We're going to make sure that 6% of them have COVID, but we're not going to process them like we do everyone else. We're just going to send them into the country. Hmm. And, of course, we know the government is so kind. I mean, they really do care for these children. I mean, I, I honestly, I think one of the happiest places I've ever been is the DMV. It is such a well-run, and, and I feel so loved when I... Oh, man, it's like, it's like going... When I go to AAA for my, uh, oh, my roadside services or my registration, it's like going... The difference between that and DMV is like, it's like heaven and the, and the other place. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Hell. It, it's, a whole different, it's a whole different experience. Rob, I don't know about you, but, but I find it so hard to uh, know who's telling the truth. You want to believe the people who are in positions of authority. Uh, you know, many of them have been elected. They've been appointed. They're smart people. They're well-educated people. And yet, you get this sinking feeling that we're being duped, that we're being, we're being hosed by people who have a, a, an agenda going on. And you can't really pull the curtain back all the way because the press is in front and other people are in front. And you're like, man, just I want to see the wizard behind the, the, the curtain and see what's really going on. The, the fascinating thing about the stats that we're putting up, these are all liberal publications. Mm. They can dance around whatever they want, but you put up their own numbers and they're still having to tap dance. And even the press, liberal as it is, is looking and saying, wait a minute, I mean, okay, you don't like Trump and you don't take advice from the president, even though you said, you know, we're going to bring America together. Uh, you, your your policy's different, even though only 47 unaccompanied minors are coming through. You're letting over 300-plus a, a day go through. And you're putting them in these locations that you said were immoral, but all of a sudden they're not when you're using them. Nothing's changed. And now we have COVID, which you said you'd protect the country from, and you're not. So every promise you make, oh, you're not going to rescind the Hyde Amendment. Oh, you are going to rescind the Hyde Amendment. 
you don't keep your promises. You're lying, and they know they're lying. And this is the part that's frustrating. They're imposing federal mandates on Brownsville, Texas, usurping their autonomy and imposing this burden upon mm. them. They're not giving them federal dollars. They're, they're making them pay the bus fares. They're making them pay for the testing. They're doing this to all of our local communities. They're just pushing them in and saying, deal with it. We're the federal government. If we want your opinion, we'll give it to you. In the meantime, do as you're, said. Do as you're told and like it. California... We kind of bring this on ourselves. Our governor is, he wants an open border. He, he's pro. Uh, California is one of the largest sites for human trafficking, in, in not just the world, but in the United States. In 2018, uh -huh. and this, is, this was uh, Becerra who put this up, who's now you know, getting ready to be in the federal administration. But when he was in California, he pointed out 1,656 cases of human trafficking were reported in California. Of those cases... 1,226 were sex trafficking cases, 151 were labor trafficking cases, 110 involved both labor and sex trafficking, and in 169 cases, the type of trafficking was not specified. And that's, that's just the cases we know about. Yeah, and that's California, where we, we you know, we just let them in. Uh, and, and, and they're coming here. We, we've got benefits. We'll give them galore. I mean, you're, you, you're going to get more benefits than a regular citizen's going to get. You get health care. I, I pay for my health care, but you get it for free if you come into this country, into this state. Yeah. So if I, if I put up a big sign on top of my house that just said, free food, all yeah. are welcome, and I left my front door open, I, I'd be done. My yeah. house would be unlivable, yeah. right? Yeah, and, you're, you and, it's, <laughs> and yet I want to give food to people, and all people are welcome, all good people. But I'm going to sure make sure when you come to the door that you're not a danger to my family. Yeah. And I want you to come in because I want to show the love of God to you. Yeah. You, you come in, but there are rules to abide by. 100%. Yeah. And if you don't keep the rules, you're going to have to leave. You know, there was a friend of mine who used to be the director of one of the rescue missions. I would be a bad dad if I didn't keep the rules and make them leave. Oh, yeah. A man doesn't provide for his family. He's less than an infidel. Meaning and you provide for their safety. Yeah. My wife wants me to protect my family. That's right. You come after my family, you'll be picking up your teeth with your broken arm. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, a man, uh, a dear friend of mine, used to be a director of one of the rescue missions in the San Joaquin Valley. And in the dead of winter, when the fog was so thick, he could cut it with a knife. And if you've ever been in the Thule fog in the San Joaquin Valley in the winter, it, it just gets into your bones. It's freezing. Yeah. Just so cold. Yeah. And they would host dinner at this rescue mission. If you came in and you had alcohol in your breath, they'd feed you. But you'd have to stay and sit through the Bible study and help clean up the dishes and do work in the rescue mission. Then you'd be given a bed for the night. You'd get first dibs. But if you ate and decided to leave and go out and party with your friends and you didn't want to work and you didn't want to sit through the Bible study, you had to get in line for the, any of the beds that were available. And as you'd get in the line, if there was alcohol in your breath, you'd be turned away. And one of the young guys in the rescue mission was just saying, hey, it's so hard. It's raining out there. They're freezing. We're turning them away. And my friend said to him, because he was a director, he said, who are we to get in the way of what God wants to do to bring someone to the end of themselves? They knew they could have stayed here. They knew that they could have worked. They could have sat through a Bible study. But these are the rules. This is the way it works. The reason why you got in the place you are is because there's no governing in your life. Yeah. You, have, you have reduced to the least common denominator and you're enslaved. And, and, and the law are the wise restraints that make you free. You, you put constraints in the areas that destroy you in order to pursue excellence. Mm. Yeah, and, that's and, good. You know, rescue missions can't be run by the government. It, 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 everything to them is about power. And so 
a, a really good justification for an open southern border if you're a political leader is you're the good guy and you get constituents and then you get to mail out ballots to everybody and then you get to flood it and you win and you hold power. Do you think that's the plan? Um, leave that alone. <laughs> but but let, me, let me leave you with these two statistics and I want folks to see this. This is New York Post and the Washington Post. President Trump has used the threat faced by migrant women to make his case for a border wall. One in three women are sexually assaulted on the dangerous trek up from Mexico. Now we shared with you about um, the uh, Huffington Post and, and their statistic. And then you look at Washington Post, 2018, it's been updated. 80% of Central American women, girls, are raped crossing into the U.S. That's Huffington Post. That's Amnesty International. So don't tell me you're compassionate. Your compassion, Jen Psaki, President Biden, is costing you nothing. You've got a wall around your capital. You've got a wall around your home. You don't have any of them living with you. You're, you're imposing them on the citizens of Brownville. You're allowing them to be affected on their way up as you're enticing them with an open border and your policies that have power all behind them. You're infecting our countries. You're bringing COVID through with a nation you swore to protect and you do everything in your power and you're not. It's one big fat lie. And it doesn't work. And for those who are preaching from the pulpit that we're supposed to love our neighbor with open borders and practice that in your home. Pastor, go, go practice that in your home. Yeah. Forget about the three words in the Hebrew when it comes to assimilation, every single one of them dealing with immigration. You just have an open border mentality on your home and let everybody in. How long are you going to live? You do that with your church too. How long will that survive? The reality is we are a nation of laws. We are a nation of ideals, and we must all agree to operate by that. And if you want to immigrate, assimilate. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, we don't open up your home. Uh, you wouldn't, I mean, you'd open up your home. You'd, you'd have protections around your home. Uh, you don't open up your bank account either and say, hey, anybody? Anybody. Hey, come on in. Come on, come on in. Crazy. I got Look at you. Right? No, you, you say, well, that's because this is valuable. This is perfect. And I want to make sure that all the resources are being used the best possible way. Yeah. Um, and that's how I can be generous to you is I can say, I've protected it. I valued it. I'm stewarding it so that when you have a need, I can say, I have some for you. Because yeah. it wasn't all just laid out there for everybody to just take it and squander it. There's a reason why America is the most generous nation in the history of the world. We, we donate more, more money uh, privately than all of Europe combined. We are the most generous nation on the face of the earth. Not just in giving, but this is an interesting one. We love babies and adoption in America. Mm. America adopts more children, are you ready for this? America adopts more children than the entire world combined. Mm. I think that there is a spirit of, of uh, kindness and compassion that was given to us by our forefathers. It's just, it's like it's in the soil, it's in the blood. Now, not everybody's like that, and there's certainly evils we can point to, but the statistics that you're talking about right now are real, they're true. Well, they're, they're important that I note that, and, and I'll note some more of them, because I wanna show you uh, a, a, a tweet by one of our friends, Sean Foyt, who, um, he just, he, he pointed out that all of these quote-unquote pro-life Biden supporters were shocked shocked that President Biden reneged on his promises to the evangelical pro-life community mm. for the unborn. They thought he was going to be a man of his word. And you were saying, keeping your promises. Here's the tweet from Sean. He says, pro-life evangelicals for Biden is a real thing, question mark. 
American Solidarity Party from pro-life evangelical group that supported Biden, supported Biden. We gave our support on the condition there would be active dialogue and common ground solutions on the issue of abortion. There's been no dialogue since the campaign. This is simply where the Democrat Party is now. And I want to show you this thread. This is from CNN. Former Vice President Joe Biden says he now wants to throw out the Hyde Amendment, dropping his long-held support for the measure that blocks federal funds uh, from being used for, the, for most abortions amid criticism from his 2020 Democratic rivals. If I believe health care is a right as I do, then I can no longer support an amendment that makes that right dependent on someone's zip code. He means internationally. The Hyde Amendment is a four-decade-old ban on federal dollars being used for abortions except in cases of rape, incest, or when the woman's life is in danger. And then this is the conclusion of the article. But groups that had criticized Biden on Wednesday quickly praised him after his reversal on Thursday. We're glad that Joe Biden listened to the voices of millions of women and further clarified his position on the Hyde Amendment. Let's be clear, the Hyde Amendment discriminates against all women, but particularly poor women and women of color. NARAL President Elise Hoag said in a statement, Dr. Leanne Wen, the president of Planned Parenthood, tweeted, happy to see Joe Biden Embrace what we have long known to be true. Hyde blocks people, particularly women of color and women with low incomes, from accessing safe, accessing safe legal abortion, uh, abortion care. Abortion care. And, and what they don't point out in this article, uh, NARAL and, uh, and Planned Parenthood, is they, they, poor women, uh, and, and the way President Biden describes this, uh, it, it's, it's like Margaret Sanger the eugenicists, there's a reason why 70% of, of Planned Parenthood's abortion mills are in inner cities is because 4% of America's population is responsible for 37% of its abortions. And that 4% I speak of is black American women. Mm. So a black American's birth rate has flatlined. This is the number one killer of black Americans Black Lives Matter. The number one killer of black Americans is abortion. Unbelievable. It's a holocaust. And, and they act like they care. They don't care. And then you say, oh, wait a minute, time out. Oh, here you go, you evangelical. You just care about babies in the womb. You don't care when they're out of the womb. Eh, doesn't work. Remember when I said America adopts more children than the entire world combined? Number one. Number two. The largest adopting segment in America is evangelical Christians. We're twice greater than any other segment in the United States. And 73% yep, of those who adopt are Caucasian, which means we lack melanin, an immutable trait that somehow makes us systemically racist. Although of the 73% that are melaninly challenged and quote-unquote systemically racist, the lion's share, two-thirds of the adoptions, are children of color. Yeah. But, uh, but we're systemically racist. And let's come to you. you got four beautiful children. Yeah. I, I always say God gave Michelle four homegrown, one grafted. And Natasha, our middle <laughs> child, the one we adopted from Russia when she was 12, it's, it, it, was, it was Michelle's largest baby and longest delivery. It took 12 years and she was over 100 pounds. <laughs> and, and she's my daughter. Yeah. And I'm, I'm her dad. And, um, and I remember, and I, I don't, I, I, I remember being in the embassy and looking around the room as we were all waiting for the papers to take our children home. 
and seeing this room filled with Americans. And I was so proud, realizing these children, and I, I was in those orphanages. Mm. I saw the misery, and we cared. Yeah. And I didn't know the first thing about adoption. I just said, God, I'm willing. We, we, had a, we took a second out on our house because we needed to do an addition because we had four kids, and we had a 1,500-square-foot house. We were going to build an addition. It was funny. God didn't do an addition on the house. He did an addition in the house. That money went to an adoption. Mm. We, we would have adopted locally. Good luck finding that. I mean, we, my daughter uh, and her, her husband are both foster parents. It's so difficult in America. There are parents who want kids, and there are no kids to be had. Now, there's foster kids, and we need help. And that's why we are doing a concerted effort to increase our foster care outreach we had over 150 people show up with Seth Gruber, and we've got an enormous contingent doing this. Mm, that's great. But you get this. You and your wife, Chelsea, you guys get this. Tell everyone why. So Chelsea and I, uh, we were married for maybe six, seven years before we started our family. And, and when we started, we came around to that, that conclusion because we were working, and we really wanted to just kind of like settle down a little bit. Uh, we said, hey, let's, let's have some kids. And my wife, Chelsea, is an adopted child herself, and so is her brother. And so we got around to the conversation of, you know, what about adoption? And so we said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. We adopted the first four of our six kids. And, uh, and our kids come from all different backgrounds, right? So uh, mixed race and, and just loaded with all sorts of talents and genes and all sorts of things that don't come from me and Chelsea. And it's made our family like so eclectic and beautiful and wonderful. I gotta interject. So we were you invited me to do a thing at TBN. Uh, yeah. And uh, our vote count. I can't remember what it was. Uh, uh, think, pray, vote. Think, think, pray, vote. So I'm there, and th this beautiful girl comes up to me, and she's talking to me, and she goes, "Yeah, you're doing a thing with my dad." I'm like, "Oh, great." And I had never met her, and she goes, "I know so and so." I go, "Wait, Kurt, can't, yeah." Of course, you know she doesn't have your melanin. Yeah. She's different. Yeah. And I, the most beautiful, sweetest, kindest, just joy-filled child you can imagine. And I'm thinking, dude, I didn't know any of this about you, so give me some. So, yeah, um, adoption has been such a beautiful thing, and uh, it, it pictures what, what God does to us. He brings, welcomes us into his family. You know, we're, we're not, I don't have anything Jewish in me uh, going way back to you. No, you know, I, no, I don't I, have anything other, yeah, no, I don't. And, and yet we're adopted into his family, and it's just su such a beautiful picture. In fact, I'm actually right in the middle of making a brand new movie. It's going to be coming out, I don't know, maybe, maybe within a year, and we're casting all the final roles right now, and it's all based on a true story about adoption. And uh, it's this great, great story uh, about a woman who uh, found herself pregnant, uh, 18, 19 years old. She goes to get an abortion, and something happens to her while she's laying on the mm -hmm. table. Uh, she hears something in her head that makes her get off the table and not go through with it, she places the child up for adoption without even telling her parents that she was pregnant, she was living in her boyfriend's house, and uh, thinks for, for the next 20 years that this child probably hates her for leaving this child and not raising him. And in 19 years, she gets a message on Facebook from this young man saying, I wanna meet you. And it follows their journeys coming together and, and understanding how God pulled all of the mm. pieces together. And uh, it's the most beautiful, inspiring story. And I get to play the adoptive father in the movie. So super excited. you're familiar with. Yeah, it is. I've, I've, I've done that for a couple decades. 
you can really draw on that one. Oh yeah, that's precious. I and I want to I want to let people know that life was simple, as simple as it could be with four children, as a pastor, and to throw into that mix a, a child that we're not getting a baby, we're, we're getting a, a, a child that's twelve years old that doesn't speak any English, and. We didn't go out and go through books and pick the child we wanted. She came to us. We didn't go to her. And my girls came to me and said, Daddy, can we adopt her? And I'm like, she's not a puppy. I mean, we didn't, I, yeah. I didn't know. I, yeah. I had no idea. And we, we adopted Natasha. And, and it's a whole story I'll, I don't really have time to go through. But this is the part that we came to find out that, you know, she had struggles. I mean, when you, when you see her past, I mean, what her aunt subjected her to, uh, what her, her grandmother subjected her to. She went through abandonment issues because her mom and dad left her when she was little. And she didn't have any clue of Christianity. She didn't know what I did because she didn't speak English. She would see me talking in front of people. She didn't know what I did for a yeah. living. It, it didn't process. She was in <clears throat> you know, northern Russia, way out in a, a city, Melinke. It, it It's not the end of the earth, but you can see it from where she, okay. her orphanage was. <laughs> And I remember going out there, they had 220 power coming in where the shower was, where the kids, I mean, frightening what they had to endure. All mm. the kids had lice. Um, and you saw what they were eating. And she, so her nose had been broken. She'd been beaten up. She had been molested, all the stuff. And she shares this. I'm not, I'm not revealing anything she hasn't shared. But at about 16 or 17, she just can't process all the hurt. And she just, she knows we love her, and she tries to sabotage everything because she's thinking, this is going to end. I might as well just expedite it. Mm. And she's trying to run away, and, and I go pursue her and bring her home. And finally, at 18, she just said, Dad, I can't, I can't live here. I, I don't get it. And I said, it's okay. You're free to go. I can't subsidize you going out and partying every night and drinking, and you're looking for something that you know we love you. You know we care about you. And she goes, I do. I just, I don't know how to do life the way you guys do. I said, okay. She's experiential. I go, you're more like me than you know. Because I didn't grow up reading the Bible and praying with my folks and going to church. I said, I relate to you more than my four other kids. They're aliens in my home. I, I don't know what it's like to grow up with a Christian upbringing. I get you. Yeah. And she finally decided to leave. She, she left here to go down to Oxnard and... She was living in a hovel, and as she was leaving that night, I said, look, it, it just started to rain. It was no rain the whole winter, and it just started late, late November. And it begins to rain, and as the raindrops are dropping, and she's packing up her jalopy car to go down to Oxnard. I go, you're, you're doing this, huh? She goes, yeah, Dad, I have to. I said, I get it. You're experiential. I said, you only owe me one thing. The only thing you owe me if you find anything better than Jesus out there, you got to come tell me. And she said, Dad, I, I just got to do this. I said, I got it. And I'll tell you what, that, uh. that young lady tried hard to find anything other than Jesus. And she called one day and said, Daddy can't come home. I said, you bet. We've been waiting for you. She said, Dad, I want to know the Lord like you and Mom know the Lord. And, wow. and that was on a Monday, the Sunday before which was interesting about the adoption. I won't go into it, but that Sunday we'd had Teen Challenge come with Rosie Weir. All these girls had been addicted on crystal meth or sex addiction or all this stuff. They go through a one-year discipleship program at 
at Teen Challenge, and you see their before and after pictures, death, and then you just see these vibrant, on fire, precious, beautiful young women. Mm. And I just said, Lord, you can do that for all these girls. Can't you do that for my daughter? And she called me that next Monday, and she comes home, and she's telling me, Dad, I just, I'm going to try. I said, sweetie, you're going to try to live by the rules. You're going to try, but until you understand the Lord and have a relationship with him, yep. you're, you're just going to struggle. There's only room in your life for one Jesus, and that's Jesus. Yeah. Um, wow, what a great story. And she said, well, how do I do it? I said, why don't you go do Teen Challenge for a year? And she did. And she said that the thing that haunted her while she's out partying and drinking and trying to find anything that'll fill that empty void, as the French philosopher Blaise Pascal said, everyone has a God-shaped void. She said, the thing that haunted me were your parting words. If you can find anything better than Jesus out there, come tell me. And she said, I have. I found the Lord. Nothing's mm. better than the Lord. And she's doing great. And she got her GED. She ended up getting a scholarship to Liberty. She's a senior now. Great. Praise, praise God. And she's always been and always will be my daughter. Now, granted, the greater the pressure, the more precious the diamond. I mean, she, she was tough. And you and I both know adoption isn't easy. But it is worth it. Because there's nothing closer to the heart of the Lord. And when I'd go to a house and pull her out while she was doing something bad and tell her to come home, every time I went to that door, and you've probably seen this too, every time I went to that door, I could see how the Lord treated me when he would find me in my darkest times. Mm. He's coming to get his child back. He yeah. never let go of me. When he adopted me, last thing, legally... An adopted child has more rights than one born from your loins, I guess. Because adoption is legal. It's legal, yeah. Fully. <clears throat> and I, I loved learning more about the Lord in that process. Mm. Well, I'd never heard that story. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty intense. I'm sorry I didn't, you know. Yeah, no. Make you subject to it, but I got excited about it. And that's great. She's a, she's a, she's a senior at Liberty right now. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. She's precious. And you know what else? Is the, the process was so hard on the kids. And all of them understand the value of adoption because they endeavored through it. And they came to love her. I remember Kelly going, I can't believe that you're le You know, she'd get frustrated with Natasha. And, and now they're tight and they love each yeah. other. And I'm looking at Molly and Micah and Kelly and James and... All of them look at these children struggling, and they now have compassion. All of them want to help in a world that desperately needs moms and dads. And Daniel and Michael the same way. They, they were touched by Natasha's life, and we're family. Yeah. Well, you know, what that makes me think of is, is just, I mean, just the fact that you're sharing this story in your own personal life, um, that, that cancels out this generalization, this straw man argument that, white male Christian conservatives are not compassionate and are really just trying to uh, do bad things to women and children. I mean, clearly, I mean, you're, just, you're, just, you're demonstrating, you're living the, the opposite narrative of that. And a lot of people are really thankful for you. I feel that way about you and all other adopted parents and those who are in foster care, help there. Even folks who go and volunteer in foster care. We, we had a lady last night on one of the podcasts that a couple of the gals in our church are putting on. And, and this girl grew up in a foster care program. She said, this one woman would volunteer an hour a week 
but she'd always come to see me, and I knew someone cared. Hmm. The only thing that can give you a heart like that is the Lord. And only immoral people can govern a republic. Yeah. And these ideals and these principles are worth fighting for. And that's why I wanted to cover all that stuff tonight. I wanted folks to see that the narrative that, that folks are putting forward, it's not true. We, we do care about immigrants. We do care about the unborn. We do care about children in the foster program and kids that need to be adopted and those who are at risk. We all want to do our part. Yeah. But we do it because we're moved by a God who operates in absolutes. And blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is yep. a reproach to any people. If you, if you blow open the doors and let everybody in and there's no rule of law, then we're just going to be the law of the ruler. And it's going to be a mess like every other South, Central and South American country. Yeah. America is a set of ideals. We need to stand by those. Yeah, amen. amen. Thank you. I, I called you at the last minute and you came down. And I couldn't oh, think my of, pleasure. I, I can't think of a better fit to cover a topic like this. And, and I, like the, I like the tie and the vest. Yeah, it's, yeah, kind, of a, it's kind of a uniform. That way I don't have to worry about what I'm going to wear next. And, and, and if I'm going to go visit someone's home and they invite me in every night, I want to at least look nice. So here it is. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Next time, dress up. We, we were invited to the <laughs> I know. I, I would have if I knew you were going to. I apologize. I'll give you a vest next time. Okay. All right. Well, folks, thanks for joining us tonight. What an amazing guest. Kirk Cameron, so blessed. And, and all the stuff we saw, listen, that's the reality. No matter what the press is putting forward, the reality is America adopts more children than the entire world combined. Christians adopt more than any other people group in the United States of America. 73% of those who adopt are Caucasian, and only 23% of the kids they adopt are Caucasian themselves. The lion's share are kids with a different melanin count. We're not systemically racist. It's a joke. It's, it's an absolute lie. Now, there's racism. Don't, you know... Don't get me wrong, there's racism. But if you see it, call it out. Tell that person to repent. Tell them to apologize and get straight. But to say that our children are systemically racist and America is evil, uh, I don't know what you're reading or where you come from. These are the facts. And this is America. And it's a great country. And don't forget that. And this blessing tonight is for all of you. And I'm going to ask you if you would read number six I and would, bless these folks. I would love to. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and your family and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you guys, and we will see you tomorrow night. Good night, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage McCoy. We'll see you there.